Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Reddit Readings. In my honest opinion, the best show on the internet. And that is completely unbiased, I can assure you. This is episode 116. This is going to be an episode on r slash pro revenge. If you've got a second and want to support us, check out our Patreon. One dollar a month gets you ad free. Four dollars a month gets you four bonus exclusive episodes over there. If you can't, that's fine. We understand. Maybe, maybe consider giving this show a review. We love reviews around here and they too are a big help to us it would be very much appreciated all right guys thank you so much for being here let's jump right into it now streaming only on disney plus my name is taylor welcome to the eras tour experience taylor swift's record-breaking eras tour Sierra's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. Today, we have a story. It's from Pro Revenge, and it's from a deleted user. Now, in my experience as a self-proclaimed Reddit archive expert, when you have a pro-revenge story that's posted by a deleted user, that means it's gonna be good. Using my parking space? All good. You'll be using it forever. So, I'm living in Japan now, and here, people ride bicycles a lot. You can't leave your bike anywhere, and you have to pay for parking between $1 and $2 per day. There are very few free parking areas for bicycles. Most people leave their bikes at the same place, so they pay monthly because it's cheaper and you have your own space. This started a couple of weeks ago. Someone in my building started having a guest who decided to steal my bicycle parking space whenever they came to visit. Sometimes they stayed the whole night, so I had to go to the station, pay $1, and come all the way home walking, which meant I would need to walk to the station the next day, getting up earlier, walking like 20 minutes to the station while carrying my heavy bag. All the bicycle spaces have a number, which means they are reserved for someone. Mine is 105, but this fucker decided to take mine whenever they came to visit. The second time this happened, I told the building manager, but they didn't do anything. The third time I saw the bicycle there, it was just the same red expensive bicycle. I left a note in Japanese saying, please don't leave your bicycle here. This is my space and I'm using it every day. I found the note taped with the tape I used to tape it to their bike to my parking space. And it had a couple of bad words in Japanese at the end. Basically, he was not only stealing my space, but making fun of me by insulting me. Fine, it's just fine. I probably wouldn't have done anything about it if he hadn't written those words. But this triggered me, 
and got the worst in me. This person did it again a couple of times, so I knew this would continue. I was thinking about buying another bicycle, a better, more expensive one I could use to go on cycling trips, so a good chain slash lock was needed anyway. I bought one of the thickest they had at the store and decided to try its efficiency. I locked his bicycle next time I saw it there. It hasn't moved for the last seven days. There were two notes. The first one was a very aggressive one with more bad words and threats about going to the police, which I don't care. Let's go that way, buddy. Second note, days later, was an apology and they begged for me to unlock the bike because they tried to break it, but they couldn't. I guess he's learned his lesson. I'm pretty sure he won't do it again, but I just want to enjoy this feeling of victory for a couple more days. Ah, I'll free it in two or three days, I guess. I'm not sure if there's a law against littering someone's bicycle with your bike lock. We'll need a team of lawyers for that one, but I have my own story for you I'll share. When I was a bit younger, I had a friend who had a gauge. A gauge is one of those big loopy earring things with a hole in the middle. Anyway... They fell asleep and they were not impressed when they woke up and found out I'd put a padlock through it and hidden the key. How's that for a Reddit readings original? Anyway, this next one is from Infinity M Vortex. Director said process contracts faster and don't fuss over details. Okay, you'll lose bonus. Last year. Our company went through a reorganization, i.e. fired people and gave more work to people still left with the company while paying us peanuts. We are a small company with less than 200 employees and trying to retain our government customers while big companies like Amazon Cloud will replace us in less than 10 years. The government customers love working with us because this is the only thing we do and treat the customers better than big contractors who don't care. They laid off 30 people from my team of 50. So now 20 people do the work for 50 people at the same salary. We're paid by the month and not work hours. And we don't get sales bonuses. Important in the story. I have the habit of reviewing everything carefully and spending hours on each contract, even one that just makes a few thousand dollars. Government vendor selection process is slow and they are very risk-averse, so a lot of customers start at a few thousand dollars and end up in an eight- or nine-figure contract if everything goes well. Since people were laid off, I was struggling with the work volume and, as a result, contracts were piling up. The sales director, i.e. different team, did not like me, as I was slow and also catching any tricks the sales team tried to play by over-promising the customer or saying something shady. Government clients or customers loved working with me, the support I provided, and was truthful regarding our capability and our drawbacks. This was something else the director hated me, since he thought I'm tanking sales. However, almost all my clients were repeating customers for over a decade. Example, sales wanted a school district to buy outdated Dell Windows laptops, while entire state was moving towards new, cheaper Chromebooks. Schools don't have budget and whatever they buy stays for five plus years. Sales were offloading expensive, useless stuff to get better bonuses 
and also charged customers nearly a million dollars to provide IT support for faults arising from ancient hardware. During my conversation with the school district, I shared examples of state governments in the Northeast buying Chromebooks and saving money while future-proofing the hardware. It was my job to get the best quote to the customer and develop trust to sign a 5- or 10-year contract. So this school district bought Chromebooks, which were 40% cheaper and had less than 20% of the previously quoted IT support cost. As a result, the sales team lost a few thousand dollars in bonus, but we brought this customer with us for a five-year contract. The sales director got pissed as I was working on small contracts at a slow pace and reprimanded me in front of our manager. The manager did not care and did not defend me and asked, why don't you follow what the sales director says and stop fussing over small contracts? I said small contracts turn into big ones, hence I should pay attention to them as well. Mistakes in small contracts could harm us if the contract becomes big. I'm struggling at work because you gave me the job of three or four people. At this point, he was shouting at me that I don't understand contracts. He's been doing this stuff for five years, and he makes more money in a month than I do in a year, so I should listen to him and not question him. This was a bit insulting, as I live in a shared apartment and I'm struggling to make ends meet while he drives an expensive luxury car and just goes out on fancy lunches with government employees. I asked the sales director to send an email with a list of suggestions to improve my work. He rudely complied and said, Can you not even remember what I just said in the meeting? His email said, Do not review contracts less than 100k and trust the sales team that due diligence has been done. I replied by copying my manager in the email that this could create liability in the future and want to confirm again that the sales team will do financial and legal compliance themselves for the small contracts and I need to stop revising small government contracts below $100,000 with no exceptions unless told otherwise. This was gold. Q. Malicious Compliance Instead of two hours, I spent ten minutes on small contracts. And voila! Backlog cleared and I'm home by 6.30pm. Now, a contract worth 10 k comes through and I found some issues with this contract since it said that we offer 30% rebates to our software providers. This was something we stopped doing five years ago, and now we just offer software providers a 5-10% to rebate on contracts. Also, I knew the government client recently got a massive budget and was on a spending spree, part of my job. There is a high chance that this 10k customer will become 100 million, and the 30% rebate means we have to give 30 million on top of the usual cost. But I remembered what the sales director said. Why don't you just follow what the sales director says and stop fussing over small contracts? So 10 minutes later, I email, no issue detected based on compliance check by sales team. As I mentioned, government contracts are slow. No one cared or raised the 30% rebate issue since it was just a 10k customer. 10 months later, the state government customers said they want to work with us and get at least the same terms or better terms for a new 50 million contract. This was the largest contract in our company's history. The sales director happily gave him a handshake deal that will offer the same or better terms. 
government can legally just buy more on their current contract, so the sale director had no issue promising the same terms. Given the contract size, everyone from legal, IT, and finance gets involved to work on just one contract. For three months, everyone worked on one contract. The sales team was giddy that they'll get million-dollar bonuses. I don't get a sales bonus to ensure I protect customers and the company. The finance team finishes their review and said the company is going to lose $8 million and not make any money. Everyone is shocked. The sales director gave a deal without checking with us and we cannot go back on something we offer. Changing contract terms is frowned upon by the government and they have legal contracts stating nothing will change. We are legally obliged to offer the government the same terms for three years. The legal team says we need to take a hit on our balance sheet and swallow the losses. The CEO called a big meeting in a fancy conference room with big TV screens and everyone had to find a scapegoat to take the blame. Every department lead, managers and people involved in this contract were summoned. The sales leader had to explain to his team why they won't get bonuses on this big contract they spent over three months on. Finally, legal and finance meet and share their findings that we lost money due to the 30% rebate clause. The sales director goes crazy, blamed me in front of everyone and asked me to pack my stuff in front of 30 people. Follows by saying I'm terrible at my job despite 100% customer satisfaction. I calmly opened my laptop and connected the display cable and opened Outlook while displaying his email on three big TV screens stating that I should stop reviewing small contracts. While all 30 people read the email, with a faint smile, I await the sales director's reaction. He goes into a rage, claiming I misunderstood his email and I'm terrible at my job. Then I scroll down, where he ignored my warning regarding potential liability to the company, and his response explicitly asked me to ignore that. His face turned white when he realized he had fucked up. He then blabbered, trying to find some other scapegoat, making racist tirades against our IT consultants in Vietnam and just lost it. The Aftermath I was told to spend two to three hours on each contract and the company eventually figured out that it is cheaper for them to hire 20 people like me and pay us 70k every year than to take big losses on their contracts. Our team has 40 members now, still less than 50, but enough to offset the contract volume. Because of the losses, the sales director had to pay back his previous year's bonus as he had a clawback clause with the company, i.e. if you screw up, you need to pay us. The sales director had to pay nearly 300000 and was fired from his job. Present day He then sued the company for wrongful termination and we just heard today that he lost the case and now owes us another 200000 in legal fees. Now he owes over half a million to our company. Update 1 A lot of people may ask why I still do this job, which pays less than state wages, and I might be able to make more in other companies. I help government customers buy good stuff from many hardware and software companies so they don't overpay or rely on one big company. I feel proud when I can save tax dollars and help customers. 
During COVID, a lot of state governments went remote, i.e. local meetings on Zoom and keeping the government running while working from home. There was a budget freeze due to COVID, the economy shutting down, and since COVID relief bill was months away. This was a time when the sales team had helpless government customers willing to sign anything just to get remote hardware and software. I saw this as extortion, and despite being an introvert who lacks initiative to get promoted, I was able to convince the CEO to offer free 60-day trials of expensive hardware and just charge setup and transportation fees. This was a big risk, but we bought an insurance company to offset any damages. I convinced the CEO that this is the time for us to show we are partners with the government, and it was an emergency. The sales team was mad for a month, then realized that all those free customers were calling us for paid contracts over companies that are 10 times our size that would usually win contracts by lobbying or taking government decision makers to expensive lunch or something like Super Bowl tickets. I legally cannot disclose the exact government entity by name, but can vaguely say that some entities in the state government of New York and the state government of Florida were both using this trial program during the first wave of COVID. I might change jobs soon, since we got a 3% salary hike in the current market, while the company has nearly doubled its revenue in a few years. Update 2. I just remembered another story that made sales leaders hate me even more. This is during the COVID wave when we were all working from home and I was getting used to Zoom. We had a telecom contract with a state government during COVID and everyone joined a Zoom call to discuss the contract. The sales team was increasing this customer's telecom bill from $60,000 to $300,000 a month. I objected that increased calls during COVID are not high enough to justify such a big price hike and we should increase the bill to $100,000 a month. This was enough to cover the cost and even improve the profit margin percentage. But the sales team started laughing and saying if the customer can pay more and is ready to pay more, why am I being so vocal? Leadership asked me to shut my mouth and proceeded with a 300,000 contract. So I started working on other stuff and minimized the Zoom app. I don't end Zoom calls myself as the meeting admin ends it. Everyone said bye, nice meeting you all, and I naively assumed the call ended. I vented my frustration by saying these salespeople are like wolves when the country is going through shitty times. A co-worker sent a chat message a few minutes later that everyone heard what I just said. No one complained or confronted me, but this offended them. Also, I just wanted to add, all sales team members aren't like this. Almost all the new sales reps are eager to learn from everyone and not pushing stuff by talking to customers. However, new sales reps mostly handle small or low-priority contracts. Any big contracts get automatically transferred to sales leadership. Yeah, it always alarms me how sketchy government purchasing can be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anyway, our next one is from Chef231. Man gets car crushed.
This story happened about 15 years ago. The cast, OP, me, female, 5 foot 11. Bob, friend store manager. Chief, my boss. Entitled jerk, who lost his car. Okay, background. I worked as a firefighter as an investigator for an independent department. For information, a investigator was the rank of lieutenant and was based out of a large station, two engines, one newer 110 tower ladder truck, relative later, one chief car, and one utility truck. Every day, the food duties changed from firefighter to firefighter. It was my chief's turn to cook when this happened. My friend Bob worked as a GM of a small grocery store. There was a long, empty space in front of the store marked with the following sign, Emergency Vehicles Only. Enter Entitled Jerk. He had a nice-looking BMW car and always parked in the above spot every week. Bob told Entitled Jerk that he couldn't park there. I can park wherever I fucking want. I make more in a day than you make in a week. My friend calls me complaining about Entitled Jerk. I agree to go and watch the spot. I get into our utility truck, which had the department decals on the door and a single red light on the dash. I park in the emergency vehicle's only spot, and as I'm walking in, I hear, Oh, you can't park there, that's my special spot. I turn and look at Entitled Jerk. Um, excuse me, I ask. I'm on official duties and can park there. I pointed to the decal on the door. Entitled Jerk looks and says, You can't be a firefighter, you're a girl! Leave your truck and leave, you cunt! Now I'm proud of my job. In a department of 2000, I was one of five women on the department. I graduated top in my class. I have a shocked-looking expression on my face. I get really pissed off. I walk into my friend's office to get more information about his problem with Entitled Jerk. And as Bob explains the continuous parking violations, I spot a small notice on the fire suppression system, the sprinklers, and it said the inspection was coming up. I smile. I've just got an idea. Cue the revenge. I get some information. I leave Bob's office and get into the truck heading back to the station, and I arrive and head into my chief's office. I tell him of Entitled Jerk and what he said and does. Chief is a 6'6", 320 Samoan, and he sees everyone as family. Chief's face gets bright red. I explain my idea, and he gets very happy. He rushes out and calls a station meeting. I lay out my idea. We send out the station to do a fire drill slash inspection by sending the old truck and one engine to the store. My friend will call the station the next time Entitled Jerk parks in the fire lane. Skip to two weeks later, and Bob's called the station stating that Entitled Jerk had just parked. As I'm thanking him, I hear his fire alarm go off. I rush and change into my investigator uniform with turnout gear, tell Chief and send the trucks out. I ride in the Quint. We arrive, and I see Entitled Jerk's car right in the emergency vehicle spot. I radio to have one engine to pull right in front of Entitled Jerk's car and the truck to park right beside the driver's side door. I get out and the engineer starts setting up the ladder, which means four very large and heavy support struts go down and one crushes the front of his hood. 
The alarm goes off. The lineman breaks his windows as he runs the large five-inch draft line from the pump to the standpipes, the fire access to the sprinkler system, through his front seats. I go in to find Bob hurriedly getting people out as the alarm is going off. Entitled Jerk runs out of the store, sees his car, and goes ballistic. I radio the PD dispatch and request a few officers to store as I had a mail that was impeding a fire operation. The dispatcher says that they'll send a few officers. Three officers show up and I ask them to follow me, which they do when I call out. Hey, leave my firefighters alone. Entitled Jerk turns and sees me. He rushes up, screaming that I'll pay for damaging his precious baby, his car. I stop him and tell him that if he didn't leave, that he'd be arrested. He gets in my face. You did this! I'll have your job for this! He then turns, pushing me back. The officers and I rush and tackle Entitled Jerk to the ground. After they cuff him, I calmly inform E.B. that he was under arrest for assault and interference with a fire investigation and that his car would be towed for parking in a fire lane. I later found out it was crushed. Entitled Jerk got 12 months probation for pushing me and interfering with a fire operation. He also got a fine for 500 bucks for parking, the cost of the tow, and he lost his nice BMW. Moral of the story, don't park where you shouldn't or bad things will happen. You know, as satisfying as that story is, I am worried that it is skirting around abuse of power just a little bit. Thank you very much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that one. Don't forget, there's more on our Patreon, and if you've got a sec, we'd love a review. Until next time, guys, peace out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.